And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind, challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Greetings and aloha to everyone out there. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. Today I am joined by a special guest, my friend Jenna Rose Longoria, who is a board-certified holistic practitioner, a wellness coach, and a woman on a mission to really help women worldwide regain health in um, a multitude of different ways. And I'm going to let her explain a lot more about that. Really excited to have you on, Jenna. We have some really cool things to talk about, some um, areas of health and wellness whether it be men or women, I think this is a universal conversation, especially when we talk about hormonal health. Um, but specifically women's health, this is something that I've really been looking into for many years. Most of the people that follow me are women, probably 80%, if not more. And in a lot of men that are interested in women's health, interestingly enough, it's a theme that's going on in the world. Um, and so I'm really excited to have you on. Um, how are you doing? Hey, Ronnie, I'm great. I'm happy to speak about this subject because, as you said, I'm, I'm on a mission. It's a message I want to spread. So, yeah, doing well. Cool. Yeah. So, speaking of your mission, I'd love to start off by just talking about your mission and how you got into this field. Yeah. So, um, you know, I struggled with depression growing up and weight gain. And uh, at the age of 14, actually, I had my first ovarian cyst. So the doctors put me on the birth control pill at the young age of 14. So um, that really escalated into more depression, more weight gain. Um, 
I wasn't really getting to the root of the problem. So I always knew something was off, but I didn't really know. So after getting on the birth control pill, I noticed my mind shifted. Um, It was like I was seeing in a different color. I just couldn't describe it. I didn't feel connected. And I knew that I wasn't living my authentic life. Um, So I stayed on the birth control pill until I was about 21. And um, I had always, you know, yo-yo dieted, always struggled with my weight, um, had issues keeping it off. So I did every fad diet out there, always struggled with depression and eating disorders. And finally, at the age of 21, I was like, no more. You know, just something, my intuition, um, you know, I was a journalism major at the time, like health wasn't even on my radar. And I just, something was, was in, a voice inside my head was like, get off the birth control pill. Mm. And so I did, I got off the birth control pill and I didn't have a period for six months. Yeah, it was a long time. And I just, I broke out. I had acne. I had back knee. Um, you know, it was horrible. And um, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling too well. Um, I was feeling better in the sense that like this, this, you know, I was seeing more colors and I, I was starting to feel more like myself, my, my taste in, and, and men was changing my taste in literature, my taste in, in friends, like everything. I, I no longer desired to just go out and get wasted and go out with college friends. Like I was desiring to be more out in nature and like my, everything lifted. However, my period wasn't coming back yet. So I went to the doctor and I asked, I, you know, I, that's what I knew back then was go to the doctor. If there was something wrong, you go to the doctor and, um, you know, he, barely even looks me in the eye. And he's like, okay, six months, no problem. You know, we'll fix that. And I said, oh, you know, I was very hopeful. And he gave me a prescription for the birth control pill. And I was like, what is this? You know? (laughs) And he was like, well, this will give you a period again. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I want my body to have a period on its own. I want to make my own hormones. And he looked at me and he said, why? And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm so happy he did that because it changed the course of my life. And I, I since have um, studied everything I know about it and eventually found out that what I had that was causing the weight gain and the depression uh, was, is something called polycystic ovarian syndrome. So once I had a diagnosis and I could start treating that, um, my life has just exponentially changed and I'm, I'm just so thankful. So it's my mission to help other women um, know that the birth control pill is not their only option that it's just treating the, the symptom, not the root cause, um, and just empower women. I mean, obviously, I know that a birth control pill has a, a hormonal birth control can have a time or a place. Um, you know, if, if a child is not on someone's radar, then, you know, if they, if, I'm not judging, but um, I do think it's important that we're empowered with all the information and all the knowledge before just going to a doctor and being told that's their only option. So my goal is to actually just empower women with the knowledge about all their birth control options, which I do um, in addition to, to the health and lifestyle um, you know, coaching that I do. You know, we talk about the birth control options. We talk about the pros and cons so they can, they can make the choice for them themselves. I'm not telling them what they need to do. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is, this is something that's definitely near and dear to my heart. Um, about six years ago, I got into a subject called um, estrogen dominance and really dove deep into this and in every little nook and cranny, the implications of environmental xenoestrogen toxicity, pesticides of all kinds, yes, um, absolutely. chemical fertilizers, you know, PCBs, phthalates, plasticizers, 
Um, and then also going down into the pharmaceutical side of things and the prescription drugs and the birth control, birth control pills and um, bioidentical hormones, hormonal therapy, et cetera, et cetera. And all the, uh, the chemical effects or the chemical cocktails that are being prescribed to people to reroute their hormones, but not really building back the precursors for building the blocks of their hormone production. Like you said, you wanted to mm-hmm. create your own natural hormones somehow in your, I don't know, feminine intuitive, intuitive intelligence. Something was like, you know what? I could probably, my body's probably intelligent enough and it's probably a natural phenomena where my body would produce its own hormones. So something, it sounds like to me, something didn't quite click. And um, I think that's amazing. Like you said, that that's really a gift that your doctor was so out of touch to reflect that to you in a, in a form of kind of an absurd type of question where it is like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. He looked and- at me like I was crazy, you know, which I've gotten that look before, you know, that wasn't the first time, but that time I knew I wasn't crazy. No, but I mean, he looked at me like, why does this, why does this woman want to have her own period? Like what this pill is going to do everything for her. And, um, you know, and, and what's, what we know now it's quite common, you know, like what do you, with what you said, the estrogen dominance, like whenever I have a client come to me, I just assume that they're going to have estrogen dominance because it's so prevalent. We live in an estrogen dominant world, you know, with the xenoestrogens and, um, it's just a toxic world, all the toiletries and the, 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 all the chemicals we're putting on our bodies, um, the BPA and the plastic bottles and, and the aluminum. Um, and, and what I was suffering from was something called um, post-birth control syndrome, which was actually just recently coined by Dr. Jolene Brighton. And she's been a, a trailblazer in this. And um, it's basically your body is withdrawing. Is, is the pill cuts off your communication between your brain and your ovaries. So when that happens, your body kind of goes on vacation. It knows it doesn't need to make any hormones. Everything's done for you. So when you get off the birth control pill, they don't automatically start talking to each other once again. You know, it's kind of like you got to go on a date first and then court each other and and then establish that communication. They don't just go back to normal. I mean, it does happen, but um, in most cases, it takes a while. And post-birth control syndrome happens anywhere from three months to one year um, and if you're proactive with it and you take the right diet and lifestyle choices and, um, tr- and, and make these changes in your life, then you can detox from the, from the pill, you know, at an accelerated rate versus what I didn't know, you know, I was just doing everything the same and I had no idea it wasn't even on my radar. Um, so nowadays we know so much more about it, which is great for, for females everywhere. Yeah, well, I definitely wanted to ask you about that post birth control syndrome. This is, this is definitely a term that, um, you know, it's just recently come on my radar and you, you really brought that up too. And I wanted to definitely, um, dive into that. You already brought that up. And I also wanted to, to add on to that, the side effects of birth control pills and like the reality, the implications, like why somebody would want to consider doing a lot more research or just Mm -hmm. completely omit that altogether. Um, because birth control pills definitely have some serious repercussions as most of us are well aware of, but a lot of people may not be. Absolutely. And you know, today is actually a very exciting day in the world of birth control and a big win for the United States because, um, the birth control uh, method called eShore, um, that it's transplanted in the arm um, was actually just taken off the market in the United States. Every other country in the world has taken it off. 
years ago because there have been fatalities, um, women left infertile. Um, it's made by the Bayer company. And the biggest slap in the face to women who have suffered from this was the Bayer company said, oh, well, we took it off the market because of declining sales. They still, they still refused to say that it, was, that it did any harm. But anyway, yay, the U.S. has finally banned it. Doctors can't prescribe it anymore. Um, so that's great. So that's one of the most fatal forms of birth control. Um, but with other birth control, you know, like there's an increased risk of stroke, which that's not, that's not hidden. That's on the package. Right. But, um, things like depression, you know, there was a huge uh, article in JAMA, uh, at Denmark, uh, a study in Copenhagen, and they were showing, um, how, how many women, how depression, how prevalent depression is with the birth control pill. Um, leading to up to, you know, weight gain, um, infertility when getting off one in eight women experiences infertility after getting off the birth control pill, because sometimes those hormones never that communication, as I, I was say, talking about the brain and the ovaries, sometimes that's never reestablished. Mm. Right. Um, interestingly enough, they're, they're blaming the birth. Some research studies are blaming the birth control and the high divorce rates, because when you're on, on, when you're on the birth control pill, you're choosing a mate based on completely different hormones. Right. And then you get off the birth control pill when you're trying to conceive and you're like, oh, wait, who did I marry? Which I can completely relate to because the type of guy that I was attracted to when I was on the birth control pill was a completely different type of guy that that I felt was a right partner for me when I got off the birth control pill. Um, So all those different um, I mean, the list goes on and on with the. the side effects from the birth control pill. Oh, leaky gut is one of the big ones. It, 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 it destroys the body's ability to absorb nutrients. So a lot of times women on birth control pill are you know, nutrient deficient in zinc, selenium, B12. Maybe they're eating the right diet, but their body cannot absorb it. They're not digesting it. So um, that's crucial. If, if women who are choosing the hormonal birth control pill uh, need to definitely be supplementing um, and getting on a, you know, a whole mm. foods Whole Foods diet um, and supplementing, so they make sure they're 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 kind of counter affecting that counterbalancing. That, that's that's really interesting. I mean, you said a number of really really intriguing things. One of them, this leaky gut syndrome. Um, I'm really curious what the mechanism is that in relation to birth control. Like, is it causing um, inflammation of the intestinal lining? Is it is it leading to the the permeability of the lining? Um, I've never heard that connection before. Yes, I think it's 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 causing inflammation, and also because the woman's not ovulating. So when you're on the birth control pill, you're not ovulating, and the only way that women can make progesterone, which is what I call nature's Xanax, mm-hmm. um, is is when you ovulate. So if you're on the birth control pill, you're not ovulating. You're just pumped with synthetic estrogen, which is inflammatory to the body. Um, progesterone. Um, helps keep your body, you know, helps your mood and helps your skin, helps your hair, your nails, your intestinal lining. So if you're not making these, the, this key hormone, then you're going to suffer from inflammation and leaky gut. Mm, that's, that is super fascinating. One of the things that just came up, you're talking about progesterone. When, um, especially for the audience listening, this, this term estrogen dominance in layman's, layman's terms is really just a phenomenon where certain types of estrogens have been inverted or your hormone cascade has basically been inverted in the dominant youth youthful juvenile hormones which are the hormones that you have when you're in your most juvenile state of being which is when you're when you're young pre-puberty or when you're in that puberty state and like for for a girl for example when she goes through puberty her estradiol 
which is like a steroidal form of estrogen, is at its highest and creates that growth spurt. One of the things that I've been really um, seeing a lot with a lot of my clients are just people that that are you know that have different forms of breast cancer. They have high levels of estriol, which is creating a, a growth. And that's not what you want when you're when you're older. You want that when you're in that 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 pre that pre um, that puberty state. But you don't want that later on, and so that in your progesterone in a woman basically gets suppressed or aromatized. And the same thing happens in men too, where their testosterone. Yes, absolutely, you see men walking around with men boobs. That's yeah. estrogen dominance. Yeah, right there is happening to men and women, and um, and you're right. Like it, it, it's it estrogen is tissue forming. It's a growth hormone, right? So that is where cancer comes from. If you have too much estrogen, then these cancer cells are prom- you're promoting their growth. So it's very important to keep that estrogen in a balanced state. Yeah. And so, so the birth control connection to that basically, um, and I want to, I really want to just get your take on it. So, so the birth control is really, it's, 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 um, how do you say, accelerating that inverted cascade? Absolutely, because it's just pumping your body with synthetic estrogen. So, I mean, not all of the birth control, there's different types of birth controls, but the birth control pill, most of them, it's, it's just synthetic estrogen. Mm. And so you're already living in this, in this estrogen-dominant world, and then here you are taking a pill every day with more estrogen. So, I mean, right. no wonder, you know, you get when, when a big signal that you have it is, you know, holding on to water weight, mm. bloating, um, constipation, um, you know, uh, breasts that get really sore and tender, especially right up to period, your period. Like it shouldn't be like that, right? You shouldn't have to, you know, if anything hits you, you shouldn't be in pain. Um, and then, you know, you see it in men too, walking around with, you see these man boobs that we see around, you know, it's that's estrogen dominance. It's not just hitting the female population, it's the male population as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a really fascinating conversation with a lot of, a lot of nuances and twists and terms. One of the things I was thinking about is the whole, the whole, um, the whole conversation around, um, uh, natural based, yam based or bioidentical progesterone cream and how, yes. how powerful that can be for, for starting to get that, that balancing process going. It is very powerful, but, um, and, and the bioidentical is the best form. So yam based or, um, uh, natural woman is the one I use and I don't, I'm not, not making commission or anything. I'm not plugging it in. That's just, you can get it on Amazon. Um, and it was formulated by a doctor that's, he, compa- I, I don't know his story, but anyway, he's, he's a big pioneer in women's health. Um, but progesterone cream is one of those things that it's best to try the diet and lifestyle changes first. Because a progesterone cream is kind of just putting a Band-Aid on it. So yeah, it's going to give you more progesterone and it's going to kind of even things out, make you feel better. Um, But first, you want to get to the root cause of why am I not making progesterone? Why am I not ovulating? And thinking if you can fix those factors first. And in some cases, um, women... They're just stubborn, you know. Whether it be from the environment, exposures, exposure to toxins at a, at a young age, or um, genetic factors, sometimes certain women just need a little help from progesterone cream, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it does help. So it's it's a great tool to have up our sleeves and for women's health. Right, right. I think it was. It might have been Dr. John Lee, the the man. John who, Lee, yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I couldn't think of his name. Definitely. And topical is much better because um, yeah. studies are showing that if you ingest it, it doesn't really translate as well. 
Yeah. Doesn't convert over. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, that, that, you know, his work really, really opened my eyes. And this is back in like the seventies and eighties. He put out the book, what your doctor doesn't know about menopause. And, Mm -hmm. you know, his story is basically like he had all these, these, um, postmenopausal, premenopausal, like all the different stages of menopause, all the like erratic kind of conditions of women showing up on his doorstep. And he just kind of, he started experimenting with um, yam-based progesterone cream. And then he started to notice like all these women, all their issues start to normalize and come back into, come back into check. So that's why I bring that in. Absolutely. Like curing anxiety depression. Mm-hmm. So instead of going and getting Prozac or Xanax or whatever, the progesterone cream, try that. You know, um, it, it definitely is good to work in, in tandem with a health practitioner because getting the dose right is important because you can have too much progesterone with doing the cream. Mm-hmm. And then it can also make symptoms that mimic kind of estrogen dominant. So you have to get the right balance. Um, but it, cha- it can change everything. It's, it's, it's miraculous. It's yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, by the way, just for everyone listening, we're not talking about hormone replacement therapy where they inject exogenous hormones. We're talking about something that's biologically identical to your endogenous hormone um, to jumpstart the system back on. And then, so once once we've done that, Jenna, then then what what is the approach that you take people through? So if the cream is working and they're ovulating again. Um, you know, sometimes you can, you can transition off of the progesterone cream, you know, if, if you change your body to ovulate again, because once you ovulate, you're making more progesterone to put into your bank, basically. So right. once you're consistently ovulating and you have enough progesterone, then you might not need the cream anymore. Um, unless, you know, women who are, once they get pregnant, you wouldn't want to just get right off the progesterone cream because then that could um, create a miscarriage because you need to have enough progesterone. You don't want to change anything once you get pregnant because that's what progesterone is. You know, it's, it's the, it enables the body to carry a baby, you know, it's... Yeah. Um, progestation. Yes, exactly. So that, that was, that's the whole point of it, but it also, it's important. So, you know, I I saw a funny meme the other day from Dr. Laura Bryden and it was a picture of a guy and he was like, you know, I'm not trying to have babies. Why do I need testosterone? You know? And I was like, oh, that's so funny, right? Like they wouldn't give a man a birth control pill that got rid of all this testosterone just because he's not trying to conceive. And it's the same thing for women. It's like, oh, well, just because, you know, we need our, we need our our progesterone all the time, even if we're not wanting to have babies or not. That's crucial to our health. And the birth control pill is completely, not all of them. There are some forms um, that you still ovulate and that's the copper IUD. Okay. Yeah. And so like if a a woman's ever like, okay, I just look, not going to do the fertility awareness method or whatever, you know, she's, if, if she's not, the copper IUD still has its drawbacks and links to depression and, and scarring, but there are no hormones. It's a hormonal-free contraceptive, you know, uh, method. So mm. um, you're still ovulating on that, which which is the the pro of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even with the copper IUD, it still has these potential. I mean, I've I've heard some horror stories yes. from people that have had it like pushed in. Um, too far or they've had to have it like somehow, I don't know, surgically removed. They've had to have like a whole, a whole thing um, just to have it removed or to get themselves back into balance. Yeah. It can cause scar tissue. And then, you know, it can leave you infertile. It's linked to depression. It's linked to very heavy periods, um, copper toxicity. So anyone who's taking the copper IUD needs to be supplementing with zinc to make sure there's Mm -hmm. the right balance there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So it's, it's, you know, there's, there's a, there's a con to all of them except fertility awareness methods. So, (laughs) right. Right. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, so I want to, I want to shift this, this conversation over into ovulation. Is I know Great. That- I love ovulation. It's my yeah. favorite. Okay. Yeah. I had a feeling about that. So then this is a topic that hasn't really been too explored into detail on this show yet. So I'd love to really just kind of hand that over to you. Um, since you are the, the expert on this subject, um, I'm definitely not. So I'd love <laughs> hand that over. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. In terms of like, how important is ovulation and what do we all need to know about that? Okay. So yeah, ovulation to me is a real superhero. It is the star of the show. You know, we always focus on the period and because it's easy to know when you had your period, you can't, you can't ignore that. You're like, okay, I started my period today. Um, but a lot of women don't track if or when they're ovulating. And I encourage women to do that because that is the most important part of the whole cycle is the ovulation. Um, Because we were just talking about progesterone and the only way you can make progesterone is if you ovulate. So that's number one. You know, you need to make the progesterone so you can have, um, you know, women who don't make progesterone get, you know, anxiety. um, They can get moodiness, PMS, period pain because the progesterone is not counterbalancing the estrogen. Um, so ovulation is a rock star. That's how we, we get our, that's how us women get our superhero strength. Basically mm-hmm. we need that progesterone mm-hmm. so we can have resilience to stress. So we can, we can multitask, we can manage everything. We can be the goddesses that we are and be in tune with, with the rhythm, right. Of the universe. Because if we're not ovulating, we're not doing that. Um, and, So unfortunately, we live in a world of unprecedented stress. You know, it's everywhere. Women nowadays, you know, where more women are working, they have high demanding schedules. We're boss babes, right? We we have got a lot going on. We're mothers, we're daughters, we're wives, we're, um, you know, so we have iPhones, we have, we're constantly being contacted by email on the phone, you know, an alert on the computer. So we're being pulled in all these different directions. And unfortunately, we haven't evolved in the way to our brain doesn't perceive that as a threat, like a saber-toothed tiger. So every time a ding goes off on your phone, you're just like, ah, you're stressed out. The body makes more cortisol. So these things are, are, are some that they can um, impede the body's ability to ovulate. So it's a good way to keep in check. It's your, it's your, your report card for the month if you've ovulated. So Knowing when you're ovulating um, is actually really easy if you just kind of have a little, if you just observe your body and you are in tune with your body. Um, I'm a big fan of apps. Nowadays, it's easier than ever because we have all these apps on the phone. So the phones can be our friends or our foes, right? But in this in this way, they can be our friends, right? We have a, I like the Kendara app. That's a good one. Um, however, it is very important that women realize that if you have one of these apps, it's a fertility awareness app, and you are not putting your temperature in, then it is not fertility awareness. It is just the rhythm method, which I call wait and pray because it is not effective. It is not scientifically effective. You're, you're not, it, you're not, you're just kind of chancing it basically because one day can make all the difference. So mm. for example, on these apps, it, you know, the typical women, which, which in the medical textbooks, we all, according to the medical textbooks, we all ovulate on day 14. All of us, every single one of us. There's no, there's no, there's no variance to that whatsoever. However, there is because not all of us ovulate on day 14. That is 
that's BS. And those um, textbooks were probably written by men. Yeah, probably, right? <laughs> and, you know, there are women that go into the doctor and they, and they conceive, you know, and, and they, they date, they, they have the ovulation on day 14, right, to determine when the baby's going to come or, you know, going to be born. So a lot of times when you have these two weeks or two weeks early or late, it might not be early or late, right? Because they're all going by on day 14 ovulation. So um, there are, the day of ovulation changes, it's, it's not consistent. It can change every month for a woman um, because of, you know, stress or um, environment. Your ovaries, they smell the environment. They smell your environment. If they smell stress, if they, if they smell perceived threats, they are not going to release an egg for you to procreate. They're going to say, hey, sorry, but you lost your privilege this month to procreate because we don't have to survive. That right? is hilarious. So a lot of things like delayed ovulation can happen, right? So like mm-hmm. I went on a trip uh, to France yeah. last month and because of the jet lag, my body perceived that as, de- as, as stress. So I actually did not ovulate until day 28. Yeah. I was very late in ovulating, but because I have my tracker, I knew I wasn't pregnant. I had a 36 day cycle because I had my tracker. I knew that I knew the day I ovulated because I take my temperature every morning and I knew I was in control of it. I could understand my body. I could have this open dialogue. And, you know, if you're using the fertility awareness method as your means of pregnancy planning or avoiding, Mm. then knowing if, if, if you're just using the rhythm method where it's like, oh, my tracker says that the star is on day 14, so I just will avoid sex around 12, 13, 14, and I'll be fine. It's like, no, if I was doing that, I would have gotten pregnant. Mm-hmm. So it's very important. So ovulation can change every month depending on factors. Sometimes you can have um, you can um, not you can have anovula- an anovulatory cycle where you don't even ovulate. Um, and women with PCOS tend to gravitate towards more of those. Um, but ovulation is super important. That's why women really need to get in, in connected to when they ovulate. So I encourage every single woman to go on their phone right now, download the Kendara app, um, you know, get a thermometer from the, from the drugstore and chart your thermometer, um, your, your temperature in there. Taking charge of, of your fertility is a great book to start with learning about fertility awareness method. Um, but basically on the day of ovulation, your temperature will, will drop. And then the next day, your temperature rises. And it stays consistently higher for the rest of your cycle. So when you see your little chart on your Kandara app, it will be a biphasic chart. You'll have your, your follicular phase, which is the first phase of your pre-ovulatory phase, um, will be lower temperature readings. And then after you ovulate, bam, they're all above that cover line. So you should be seeing those two beautiful you know, uh, temperatures at that divide. And if you're not... If you find out you're not ovulating, this is why it's great to chart because you can see what's going on. If you're not getting pregnant, you can see what's going on. You know, if you have a short luteal phase and you have your period early, like this is all information. It's so, so invaluable. So to keep, to record this and have this dialogue, it's, it's super important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a number of things that came up. One of the things I thought was quite amusing as a man was the, when the, the perspective that a woman's a woman's body can basically sense stress in the environment, and I thought about you know this idea of losing your your baby making privileges. So for all men, <laughs> translating what she just said, basically don't you know refrain from getting into stressful situations or putting your 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 woman in a stressful situation because you may lose your 
your uh, privileges for that particular <laughs> period. And, and there's actually a deeper, there's a deeper nuance to that though. I mean, it's, it's kind of amusing for all of us that have been through that, but there is a deeper phenomenon with that because biologically women are not designed to endure the level of stress that men are naturally designed for. Right. And that's something that I, I, I think is a very interesting phenomenon. I, I've, I had a great interview with John Gray a while back, and we really dove deep into a lot of different themes around the biological differences between men and women, how that plays into um, psychology and just like, um, you know, this idea of men are from Mar- or men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and then really breaking that down into the, psych- into the biological level. And I want to touch on this particular theme because what you just said is actually quite profound. Biologically, women are not designed to take on and endure as much consistent stress as men do. Obviously, pregnancy, pregnancy is probably the most stressful kind of physical thing that men are not designed to go through, but men are designed to consistently deal with stress as long as we can re- regain our testosterone but in the world we live in there's been a there's been a role reversal where a lot of women are taking on the masculinity of potentially the men that have lost masculinity maybe they're estrogen dominant or they're impotent or whatever the case is so there i want to talk about that for a second because i think that's a really really important key for all women to understand about themselves if they are going too masculine and then taking on more than they can biologically handle. That's definitely, you know, that is, that is definitely something that you're seeing today. Um, you're right. You know, women where, where our hormones fluctuate throughout the month, you know, depending on which, which stage of the cycle we're on and depending on what stage we can, we can be, we're a little bit more resilient to stress. And in certain times of the cycle, mm. we are a little bit, we're more introverted. We're less resilient to stress. Um, our hormones are very delicate and they're constantly tra- changing from, you know, puberty until menopause. Like they're constantly changing. Whereas men kind of have a more, you know, homeostasis. Um, and, you know, we, 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 as women, we follow the pattern of the moon, you know, so our hormones go in a 30 day cycle. Whereas men, you, you follow the pattern of the sun. You're on a 24 hour day cycle. So you wake right. up, you have tons of testosterone, you're wearing, raring to go. You've got, you know, you eat your power breakfast. You're like, go, go, go. And at the end of the night, your testosterone is fading down. You kind of just want to shut off. I admire men for that. I wish I could just shut my brain off at night and just be like, I'm just ready to wind down and relax. But you know, how often do you see women? They're like, oh, you know, working on a project or they're stimulated, especially if it's a certain type of a cycle. So like ovulation, we get real creative energy. So maybe we want to stay up later. We have more energy and we're doing these things. And then, and in the menstrual phase of the cycle, the last phase, you know, we're more introverted and we have more, we're very in tune with our intuition. You know, this is the time where we're bleeding. We're just like really in tune, especially mm-hmm. if that falls on a new moon or full moon, which usually does. And, uh, you know, so you're, you've got the energy of, of the moon as well. Um, so now that we live in this world of unprecedented stress and you have more women working, you have more women being the breadwinners, you have, you have more women taking it all on, you know, um, I, I see that hashtag. It's like, um, I can do anything you can do bleeding. And I, it just kind of makes me cringe. I, I get the empowerment behind it, but it's like, yeah, but why should we, you know, that's a time for for connecting, for journaling, for closing the tasks that we've been working on this past 30 day cycle. And for just, you know, if you have to, yeah, if you're a single mom and you got to do it, you got to put food on the table, you got to do that, then yeah, you can do it while bleeding because women are resilient and we're badasses. But if you can just take some self-care and you can do these things for yourself and know like, hey, 
this is one of the reasons why charting is so is is so valuable. Is because you say, hey, I'm in my menstrual phase right now, and I need to just book a massage, or I need to like just not schedule that meeting for tomorrow because you know, and and um, and 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 so harnessing harnessing your cycle to your ability to the best of your ability, basically. Mm-hmm. So um, and yeah, I see that a lot with you know the shift of women into more yang and more masculine. Um, role like there is this one example of this couple that was trying to conceive and they just couldn't conceive they couldn't conceive and their doctor was telling them um she's a fertility specialist and she's she works you know she's um uh, functional so she works with diet and lifestyle and she was like talk to talk to the you know the couple and she's like you know because any any fertility specialist you need to see both male and female like it's not just the woman comes in right like oh my gosh like i won't even see just the woman if it's for optimizing fertility i want to see both of you because it takes two Mm -hmm. and you know like they're showing 60 percent of the time it's actually a male infertility problem um so both of both of them need to be there um so this woman that was was working like you know, crazy hours a week. She was the breadwinner. She was, you know, um, she felt just very, you know, the husband said she was more controlling and then he was expressing that. And, and then she was expressing how she was working too much. And finally this doctor was like, look, you've, you've got to take less time off. You've got to take some time off work and you've got to also open some space for your husband to take control. You know, you need to work on these aspects and, and get more yin energy and give your husband some more yang and balance it out, you know, and and have more of a balance. And they worked on it. And sure enough, a few months later, they conceived after having tried for a long time and their marriage was much healthier for it as well. And so I'm not saying that women can't do it all and we can't be the breadwinners. I'm not saying women can't be the breadwinners. Like, you know, um, our, 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 there can't be stay-at-home dads. I think it's beautiful to, to shift those roles and not, and not have like a, a, a set gender role, but it's to kind of have a balance between it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I think also what we're talking about too is the fundamental masculine-feminine energies that don't necessarily dictate whether you're a man or a woman. Because some women are more dominantly masculine, which they would attract more of a feminine um, male. Or And those things can fluctuate and change, just like our hormones and the ovulation cycles. In a man's androgenic cycles as well, andropause is also a key factor. Like menopause, andropause is the male equivalent to to um, you know like the midlife crisis. What's that all about? Well, that would be a hormonal... Um, imbalance or an estrogenizing of the man where his testosterone has pretty much plummeted usually because of because of diet lifestyle toxicity psycho- psychological mm-hmm. and emotional repression or what or whatever whatever the case is um, so there's there's these different cycles that we that we can um, fluctuate from and they're 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 nuanced you know in that example that you gave like I think it's interesting <clears throat> the roles in society because society plays such a huge role in the, in these, these cases, obviously environmental toxicity and the xenoestrogens, like we talked about in the diet is a humongous factor on the biology. But then the lesser talked about thing is like the energetics and Mm -hmm. in the pre, the predefined roles that a man is supposed to play and a woman's supposed to play, but maybe energetically, at that phase in your life, maybe the man is actually supposed to be a little more yin and the woman hasn't, she's been so yin her whole life. Now she's finding that empowerment or vice versa. It's, um, you know, it's a deep, a deep exploration, but I just think that that's a pretty interesting thing to put in there too, as we're exploring all this. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's about having that balance. And, and like, you're right, you know, some women have more yang and some men have more yin and that's completely natural, but it, it's, it's just making sure that it's, 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 um, it's imbalanced. Yeah. And then, and, and then also that each, each person is, um, supporting one another and you have that open openness between each other that there's no dominating or no, you know, uh, because like the ovaries will sense that the environment might not be conducive for raising a child. If the, mm. And um, our ovaries are very, very smart. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I can definitely, I can yeah. definitely, um, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I can see, I can see that. Um, so, you know, with the time we have left, I want to, I want to just kind of see um, where we can go with, you know, because of our environmental toxicity, because of everything that's affecting our hormone rhythms and um, the chemical signaling of our hormones or the suppression of our hormones, what can mm-hmm. we do to detox the false hormones so we can come back into hormonal harmony? Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. And that's so important. So after getting off hormonal uh, birth control, whatever form it may be, whether it's a pill or IUD, um, it is so important to detox the body. It is so important to detox because you have all of this synthetic estrogen built in your system, especially if you've been taking this for years. I mean, it's, and the body is resilient. If you take care of it, it is designed to detox. So um, it's always important to do um, some type of, of cleanse. Um, it's very important. So you've got to go on like a whole foods cleanse. So in my practice, I always put women on the Purium cleanse, detox their body, from, you know, alkalize the body, get rid of that chronic inflammation, give the body a chance to cool down mm-hmm. um, and not feel like it's under perceived stress by the foods that they're eating. And um, so you've got to support it in order for the, uh, to detox the excess estrogen. Um, so after the cleanse, and it's, and then it's um, implementing certain diet and lifestyle changes for each woman and it's individual for each person. You know, I, it's not like a set diet that I can give for every, every person, but, um, that is definitely crucial into, into the process. Yeah. Well, what, if we could probe deeper, like what kind of overview or what kind of, um, style of eating do you, do you generally follow or do you recommend? Is it like more of a plant-based organic superfood type of deal? It's definitely plant-based. So I don't, you know, I meet, I meet my clients halfway. I realize not everyone's vegan. I realize not everyone's vegetarian. I realize not everyone's. Um, so I try to meet them halfway. And my, my most important take on it is that they are, they are got to stay away from the gluten. They mm. have to stay away from the sugar. Dairy is not your friends, you know, especially a one casein. It just increases, it increases inflammation. Um, you know, so if, if, if people want to eat dairy, I'm always encouraging if, if that's, if that's their journey and they want to eat dairy, goat cheese, um, buffalo, uh, grass raised buffalo mozzarella, that's okay. Um, you know, goats products, uh, because there's no, there's no lactose in the buffalo or the goat or the sheep. Um, so they've got to get off the, the inflammatory dairy, the inflammatory gluten, the sugar, alcohol. Women really shouldn't have more than four alcoholic drinks a week. It is true. Men can, men can tolerate more alcohol, but it is inflammatory to us. Um, it can throw off our hormones. You know, we really need to, it's, we need to stick to four drinks a week. Um, and, uh, and those are all inflammatory. Those are foods that are kind of non, non-negotiable for me. They need to, they need to get off those foods. Um, 
So meeting them halfway, you know, everybody has a trendy diet, paleo, keto, um, you know, it's, it's, I try not to stick to a philosophy, but one thing I do know is that you are what you eat eats. So if they are eating, you know, if someone's definitely not a vegetarian and they're going to eat meat, I'm, they have to make sure it's from a grass-fed source. Because if you're just eating meat with antibiotics and hormones in it, and it's fed corn, then you're just gonna, you're gonna have heartburn and acid reflux like these cows, these poor cows in the factory farms, and you're gonna get fat quick because of the corn that's in the cows. And you're going to have antibiotics, you're going to be less resilient, you're going to have leaky gut. So it's really important to, to clean your source of protein. Yeah, you know, those, those animals are basically getting hormone replacement therapy too. It's a highly estrogenic. Yeah. Um, and by the way, alcohol for the most part is also, is also estrogenic, especially beer. Um, wine, I definitely can trigger that for sure through mm-hmm. fermentation. I think that was a brilliant point. Um, and yeah, I totally agree with you meeting people where they're at because ultimately, you know, one of the things I figured out a long time ago is this principle of subtraction by addition, which is basically like you don't just take everything away. You know, people have patterned behaviors and they have beliefs and they have a psychology that's in, in an emotional connection that's wrapped up in their food behavior. So when you take all that away, it's like from some people, they can do that. Like some people like me can go all into a raw food diet and just go all in and, and go into that yeah. journey. But it's not like it's, it's not typically the easiest thing. You have to have a certain um, temperance for that, a certain attitude or a certain psychology for that. For most people, it's like it's baby steps until the momentum has been created. And then at some point, it just it spills over because somebody actually feels what it is to feel good in their body. Definitely. And I agree with you, you know, it's, it's a philosophy of adding in, you know, adding in, not taking away. Exactly. Um, and that, that, that approach is, is a bit better, but, um, they want to get better, you know, and, and, and that a lot of times if they're coming in and they're on their last straw, you know, their last, you know, last resort, I'm like, you got to take away the gluten. You got to take away the sugar. I'm not saying they can't eat these things ever again, but if you were, especially if you're suffering from an autoimmune like Hashimoto's or polycystic ovarian syndrome or um, our endometriosis, which is, is, is an inflammatory condition. It's, it's an inflammation, you know, it, there's, there's not enough research on it yet, but what they're finding is that it is, there's a gut connection. It's an inflammation connection, right? It's like causing this tissue to grow. So you can, they cannot like gluten, like I, you know, some women tell me, it's like, oh, I have to take the birth control pill because I have endometriosis. And I'm like, I hear that all the time. And I don't necessarily want to say you haven't tried everything yet, like, and, and, and criticize them and put them in that place of shame. But what I just try to encourage them to do is like, you know, you have to actually like before, yes, there are some women that a hormonal form of contraceptive contraception can ease endometrious symptoms, but have they tried everything yet? Have they tried literally cutting out gluten, cutting out sugar, cutting out dairy? Because for some people that is very difficult to do, mm-hmm. you know, and are they don't believe they don't believe the power behind it or they do it for like two weeks and like, it's not working yet. It's like, we'll give it some more time. You know, it's a much easier to go on a birth control pill. And I understand they can get it. And then their, their periods aren't so painful to where they're vomiting or they're having heavy periods. I, I get it. That is a horrible endometriosis is a horror. It's, it is not 
I feel for those women. It is, it's, it can be painful. Um, however, I have seen so many women put it into, into remission. So I know I've seen it anecdotal experience. Like I have seen these women just change their diet and lifestyle and put it into remission. It no longer controls their life. And so imagine how many women are just taking the birth control pill because they're told it's their only option, but they haven't really explored these avenues yet. So um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to just the more research that's coming out, the more attention endometriosis is getting, that we're going to have a lot more answers um, in the years to come. So that's exciting. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've seen the same thing of, of every single case and condition that, that I, that I know of, I've seen it reverse. I'm not saying that it is everything. There's a lot of different factors. Um, there's even spiritual factors that play into healing absolutely, for sure. Um, but definitely like endometriosis for sure. I've seen that completely reversed in a lot of women who simply did do a cleanse, one that you're talking about and start and then, but not just do the cleanse, but then upgrade along the way and transit and the cleanse was like a bridge to transition into an upgraded lifestyle. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So actually like, you know, like I, you know, I was talking about how I had poly, I have polysystem, polycystic ovarian syndrome. I mean, it's in remission. Like genetically, I have the disposition for it, but I've turned those genes off. Right? I am living the most vibrant life. Like I don't look at it as a as a sentence. I look at it as it saved my life because I am now healthier than I've ever been, and I'm living a vibrant life. I mean, I I get to I get to spread this message with women. It's just. It's, it's so rewarding. So I had to have this in order to be where I am today and experience this level of life that I, that I'm experiencing now. And it's not something, you know, something like, Oh, I so see you don't eat, you know, you don't eat dairy or you don't, how do you not have ice cream or how do you not have like bread or whatever? I'm like, it doesn't even face me because I know the way it makes me feel. I know what it used to be like. And that's all I can feel or see or think when I think about eating foods like that. Like once you live that high vibrational life and once you're eating super foods, like quality foods, you don't want to go back. Eating that ice cream looks, sounds horrible. I feel sorry for them. You know, I'm like, don't feel sorry for me. I'm fine. (laughs) Totally. Totally. And that's, and that's the cosmic giggle of this whole thing, right? Because somebody, if they're so used to something, then they're so attached to it. It's like, oh my God, I could never live without this. And and you hear this kind of thing all the time. It's, it's it, you know, it's ridiculous, but it's real to that person. Because what we know is what you just said is that if you just go through a short process and you start upgrading and you start actually realizing like, wow, this salad, now that my taste receptors are starting to awaken and they're not so numbed and dulled out. They're starting to awaken. I can taste the full spectrum of flavor in this salad that actually tastes better than the thing that I was eating that was like completely processed and had no life force, had no real flavoring other than the artificial flavoring I put on top of it. Yeah. And there's, it's like this whole new world of sense sensation starts to open up and it's all natural. It's all what's already been there, but it's like reactivating uh, in a lot of ways, it's like reactivating the natural human experience. And, and, and once somebody's had that, once someone's woken up a little bit, they can go back to sleep. However, when they do, there's a part of them that's awake now. So yeah. it's, like, it's almost like this push and pull. And it's like, it's kind of like what Michael Beckwith says is like, you can be pulled by a vision or pushed by pain. And it's like that kind of thing. Like then this, this kind of new inspiration starts to open up of like, what's possible for my life when I 
feel really good. I got a taste of it. I got a glimpse of it. But mm-hmm. now this, it's kind of like you're, you know, I take, a, I always take a spiritual perspective to everything, a metaphysical perspective. It's like that energy that's animating your life, your spirit starts to actually open up and starts to pull you along whether you're kicking and screaming, it's like, it's, it's, it's going to keep, it's going to keep pushing that button until you kind of surrender into it and start exploring, you know, what's available, what's available on the menu board of, of, um, of nature, so to speak, which in what we're talking about is like your food options, knowing Mm -hmm. that there's so many more options that are natural and whole foods and superfoods and herbs and different natural based supplements and different things you can do that you, that people have never, ever even entertained. They didn't know it was possible. All they knew is there was a dollar menu. That's all a lot of people even know is possible. So I think that's a big thing too, right? Like knowing what's possible, not, you know, for your life, for you, for what you can put in your body, knowing what the options are so you can actually make new decisions. Absolutely. And it doesn't always happen overnight, you know, like a seed can be planted. Someone can, you know, read something or hear something from a friend or try something. And then, you know, a few years later, it, they might be in the space to, to try it. And then they do a little bit. And then maybe a few years later, they read something else or they're exposed, you know, and it, it's, it's a journey for all of us, but, and we all are, all are at our own pace. So that's why it's like, there are no lost causes to me. I know lost causes, you know, um, you just got to live by example and, you know, just, and just have the, just really have faith in humanity to, mm-hmm. to elevate into this, this realm because it's a great place to be. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It sure beats it's our duty to help people. You know, I feel like, oh, I feel this great energy and oh my gosh, the food I eat makes me feel, oh my gosh, like imagine that, like my choice of food can make me feel like this or like crappy down here. And so it's like, it, I remember when I first like realized that, you know, in my twenties and I was like, oh my God, how did I not know this? This is my duty to share with everyone, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like your um, your challenge is your gift. Your gift in life is wrapped up in the challenge that you're facing. So for yours, going through this situation actually revealed to you a lot about your purpose, right? And what you're here Absolutely. to share with Absolutely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, mm-hmm. it was a rocky road. It was a long journey. Unfortunately, I wish if I could have met myself when I was 20, I could have helped her so much, um, you know, made my, made my life a little bit easier. But you know what? It was the learning was in the struggle and that was all meant to be. And so I'm Mm. so grateful for the experience. Mm. That's, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Um, Jenna, this, this conversation has been absolutely amazing. It's been a pleasure and honor to have you on and really dive into all of this with you. I learned a lot. And um, if uh, I want to obviously let everyone know how they can reach out to you, um, how they can get more information about your work, any content that you put out there, any resources that you have to share with them. If they want to start going through this process and reach out to you, how can they do that? Absolutely. So you can visit me over on my site. Um, I, you'll get it, receive a free copy of my book, Seven Steps to a Healthier You. So you get an ebook and there's some more health information in there. And I send out a newsletter every week talking about hormones, ovulation, periods, uh, recipes to support you in your journey. So definitely go check out the blog at healthiernotions.com.
Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, and is there any, any parting wisdom that you'd like to share before we click out? Yes. Um, women, I know I've already said it. Goddesses, download the Kandara app. Take your temperature. Start connecting with your cycle, with your partner. Get him involved too. You know, have him get the thermometer for you and give it to you in the morning. You know, make it a make it a an, a couple's experience. Um, you know, bring him into this because this is this is important. If you open this dialogue together, it shouldn't just be the woman's you know responsibility. It's something beautiful to you know for the male to also know. Oh, you know, like my partner is ovulating today or maybe like tomorrow is going to be her first day of her period. Like maybe I should make dinner for her, or bring some flowers home and it will strengthen your bonds and, and women too, you know, like it will strengthen your bond with your body and your intuition. And you'll see things opening in your life once you're more connected to your cycle. Mm. So download yeah. the app, do it. <laughs> Definitely appreciating those words of wisdom. Thank you so much, Ronnie. I really love being here today. It was awesome chatting with you. Mm, Awesome. Likewise. Thank you so much, Jenna. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the Holistic Health and Human Potential show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.